You're listening to the Scottish Football Forum's podcast, Euro Special, the home of Euro 2020 banter. Hello and welcome to the latest Euros edition of the Scottish Football Forum's podcast. It's the latest instalment of the Englishman, the Welshman and the Scotsman walking onto podcast. We've heard from an English and Welsh perspectives. Now it's time to turn home to hear from Scotland fan Byron Lynch, who runs the Braveheart Lynch YouTube channel that previews upcoming Scotland matches. Byron talks us through the inspiration behind his work and what to expect in his year's preview, which will be out before the finals. He then discusses his main memories following the national team, excitement for the finals and our chance of progression in the tournament. Before we start, here's a quick word on behalf of our sponsors, Manscaped. They are offering listeners the of the podcast 20% off any products on their website. This includes the Lawnmower 3.0 razor created for grooming both the body and groin. It comes complete with a trimming guard, a skin safe blade and is safe to use in the shower. To get your discount simply go to uk.manscape.com and enter the discount code SFFPODCAST all in uppercase. The kickoff of the delayed Euro 2020 finals is edging ever closer. So sit back and enjoy the last of our fans' outlook on the big event. In the final part of our Euros fan special, I'm delighted to be joined by Scotland fan and uh, one of the early um, YouTube stars, um, aka Braveheart Lynch. It's Byron Lynch. How are you doing, Byron? I'm doing all right. Aye, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. It's, it's um, an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on. And obviously, um, from your channel, you've been doing um, preview videos of um, Scotland games since pretty much day dot of YouTube. Um, you know, how did it all um, come about? Um, I think basically, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago or something like that. Um, I just, I remember I would watch, that it was before sort of social media kind of took off and there'd be a lot of like, you know, Sky Sports would do a big sort of promotional thing for an upcoming game or um, things like that. And I thought, you know, there was never anything like that for like Scottish football or the national team or the teams I support. There was always like, you know, you know, the you know, La Liga or English Premier League or something. There'd be all these, sort of, you know, uh, preview videos and what have you. And I thought it'd be quite cool to do something like that for for our fans and that it just that was kind of it really and then I just started I'm by no means sort of a professional or video editor by trade or anything like that so I just started um clicking a few buttons and teaching myself how to do it and then um I think I think it's definitely much easier when you're a fan yourself of that team because you can kind of capture the mood at the time and stuff like that and um it's just kind of grew for there really it just kept um Every time an upcoming game would come, I'd, I'd do another wee preview and send it out, and uh, people seem to like them, and it just kind of kicked off there, really. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I think people get more excited probably when your videos come. It's like I, you know the game's happening when um, a Braveheart Lynch video appears, so it's obviously <laughs> um, it's really it's really took off. And um, I think you've been most saying you know X, but I wouldn't come across in those videos because you know I can only speak from my own point of view, um, but I'm sure most share it. Your videos do actually encapsulate, you know, with the music you pick that, you know, how much these games mean to everyone. It really um, just um, captures it brilliantly for me. 
I well, that, I think that for me, even sometimes when I'll sort of watch it back because it's kind of like I, I watch it as a fan as well, so it makes it much easier to kind of try and capture it. Like I've always, people have always said, like, well, you know, could you do it as a career or something like that? And I think that's where I would maybe struggle because it's much easier to capture the mood of the Scotland fans because I'm a fan myself and I go to all the games, that kind of thing. But um, to try and do that for, you know, a, a team I maybe didn't support or something like that would be a bit trickier, I think. But um, certainly it's, um, it's I, I definitely enjoy doing it. It's, you know, I never get tired of like trolling through all the footage, all the old clips and everything like that. And um, yeah, I, I know that it's, it can, because as I say, I'm definitely not a professional by trade. So it probably takes you a bit longer than it would to a professional, but um, we get there in the end, I suppose. But yeah, that's, um, that, that's, that's it. Yeah, as I say, just try to, I suppose capture them is the best phrase I could use in. Yeah, and I think the, um, the question I've been having from a few people is, um, or you've probably had lots of them yourself, you're working on obviously the Euro 2020 video, or sorry, delayed Euro 2020 video, should it be? Um, and the big question is, when should we expect to see that live? <laughs> uh, hopefully pretty soon. Um, I'd never really know exactly when I'll get finished, so, um, but uh, we've got a wee bank holiday weekend where I can knuckle down and hopefully... Um, putting the, the finishing touches and what have you. So I'm, I'm hoping pretty soon because uh, I'd like to get a wee bit of build-up before the before the tournament, you know. So obviously the warm-up games are next week. So um, hopefully maybe in the next week or so we'll get something out there. Yeah, that's also, I mean, that would be good. And certainly um, we'll promote it and there'll be lots of um, Scotland supporters who will be promoting that. And what can, without giving too much away, what can we expect to see in it? Um. I suppose again, uh, the last one I did, obviously, I thought that was building up to, you know, twenty-three years. Uh, you know, um, I won't use the, the phrase failure or anything like that, but twenty-three years of waiting for us to qualify. So I thought it was the big one of trying to, you know, go through all the the archive edge of where you know the basically telling the whole Scotland national team story up to now. So this one. Don't want to just do a repeat of that. So hopefully, I'll have a wee bit more focus on the current team, and um, and uh, hopefully it'll be something that everyone will enjoy. Um, everybody in the mood, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll um, it will all go well. But um, yeah, we'll certainly be looking forward to um, to that one coming out. So yeah, take us back on your um, journey as a Scotland fan, because obviously it would have started before two thousand five six, whenever you started your channel. Um, what was your first kind of early memory supporting the national team? Uh, probably as a, the, the most vivid or the, is the France '98 tournament. Um, where I remember I was still a youngster there, but I do have strong memories watching it at home. We did after eventually we went out to France after the Brazil game, and um, we didn't have tickets for the games or anything like that. But we, um, uh, I remember sort of seeing Brazil fans in uh, Nantes, I think it was, where we, where we were traveling about, we were there as a family. And uh, I've got sort of vivid memories of watching the games and and a tournament, um, and then from there, I, um, basically started going to like the, the Craig Brown last few games under him. I suppose the last couple of years under him, um, just home games at that point. Um, I remember um, going to see. I think the, one of the games that always sticks out in my head is we went. Uh, I think they played Estonia at Tynecastle. Um, and I think Billy Dodds almost scored a hat trick. He got two goals, but he, I think he had a say in the third as well. But he, um, and that that game always sticks out in the in the memory. And then from there, it was really 
the, the Betty Votes era where I think it's maybe I think I didn't I didn't miss a home game till this, I think the South um, the Nigeria friendly at Petodre. I think every game after that I just went to. I think I got the the bug after that basically, um, and that was really just because my my dad had um, you know he he was easier for him to take us as youngsters at that point because the, the ticket prices at that point were be maybe you know, be like a tenner for him and a fiver for me at the time as a concession. And then even as adults, when we, you know, a few years later, you know, you'd be talking, you could the whole day out for like three or four years for like 40 quid or something. It was, you know, that was a big sort of selling point for us to start following the national team. Um, and it, as I say, to get, you know, three or four tickets at Easter Road at Hibs, um, then, you know, you'd be talking hundreds of pounds. Eh? So mm-hmm. it was definitely the, the sort of pricing and the, the that whole thing had, Definitely helped to put towards it, but um, aye, so I'd say definitely sort of the bet the Betty Holtz games that believe it or not, were probably that's when we started going to every single game. So almost the, the worst we got, or sometimes our support seemed to seem to grow at that point, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how it went. <laughs> yeah, I think you make a good point with that because the tail end of Craig Brown's era, um, as you say, um, although we were close to qualifying, attendances that were starting to dwindle a bit, but. I think they started picking right. up a wee bit um, under Betty. I think, I think yeah. possible because you get your um, tickets at Safeway at that point because they were sponsoring the national team. I mean, That's what right. what got me going more, um, you know, in the supporters club was the Holland game because I queued under Ticketmaster when I wasn't well. Um, you know, aye, got aye. my tickets, but I got uh-huh. you know. But after that, I thought yeah. I'm going to guarantee them going forward. So um, yeah, it was an interesting era. <laughs> I think it was exactly the same sort of time where we joined officially joined the club because you'd be queuing outside in Edinburgh be queuing outside Rose Street and somebody else would be trying to get them at Safeway and all this and you thought this is just ridiculous eh? so it was far easier just to join the club at that point yeah um, but uh, yeah it was, uh, it's like you say I, I seem to remember the sort of last few competitive games even with Craig Brown it would be like we were hanging out played um, Latvia and uh, Lithuania and stuff and there would only be maybe sort of 19, 20,000 would turn up for those games and it's like you say Betty you know there was part of the friendlies. If we really like the friendlies, all the competitive games had a decent attendance, you know. So it was, and then maybe it was just simply down to the pricing structure. It could have been that, but um, I did always have that feel of, you know, we were massive underdogs, and somehow the support grew at that point. It was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting, but yeah, I'm glad I don't queue under um, Central Station for Ticketmaster anymore. Um, it's easier Aye. this way. Um, what's been kind of your um, your favourite moments. I know we've not qualified in those twenty-three years that you know since yeah. the last finals, but you know there's obviously been a lot of really good moments in there. Yeah, I think the Holland playoff is probably the earliest sort of. Well, I say earliest. That's probably one of the standout ones. That was just um, that felt like a proper old school Hamden game. That you know, for roaring crowd. Um, I don't think many Scottish football fans are. Loved. We'd have heard the national team getting supported at that for a, for a while by that point, so it was uh, that was definitely a, a highlight. Obviously, we said about the away game the better, but it was um, that that was a standout. And then um, beyond, to, to be honest, it was there was a few hidden gems under the bet either. To be honest, because you had the Miller equalising against Germany was a great uh, day that one, um, and. Fletcher's first goal against Lithuania again, another cracking crowd, great day out that, and um, it sort of went on for there. And then the next campaign with Walter Smith and Alan McLeish, obviously, is a, a huge standout. That was um, 
think that, I mean, that probably, I, I still believe we didn't qualify for that tournament. I mean, that was, it's got to be one of the, the best Scotland performances ever, you know, that over the course of the campaign. It was just, I still can't believe we didn't get any any reward at the end of it. <laughs> I know. I think we had the highest number of points for a team that didn't qualify, just to rub salt in the wind. But of course, after the high of going to France and winning in that Ukraine game, which was my favourite Scotland game ever, um, to go for that to Georgia was a real sickener. And then obviously... Uh, the like, I mean, people have their um, opinions on you know the Keely and the incident, etc. But if you look at it objectively, Barry Ferguson was offside when he scored. Ellie had a perfectly good goal in the first half, disallowed. Um, right, these yeah. things even themselves yeah, out, unfortunately. Right. If I'd missed a good chance before the Keely incident, that's right. You can it's easy to sort of you know pick holes and results and stuff, but that is it's like you say, it's um, there's other incidents which usually lead up to that rather than just you know. One or two things don't usually cost you a campaign. It's usually a number of things, eh? So, um, but yeah, that that was a, an obvious highlight that that campaign. Um, and then, sort of beyond that, obviously we had a sort of a bit of a snag with you know um, with George Burley, Craig Levine. It just I think because of the high of that campaign, you know, it was a tough act to follow, and we just. Uh, we just didn't really get going for the next few years, basically, um, in my opinion. But there was um, a bit more hope under Strachan, certainly his first campaign when he came in. It, it all seemed very positive. Um, but um, as I say, that was there was definitely, I'd probably say the, the Craig Burley and the, sorry, the uh, George Burley, Craig Levine era, that was, was a bit of a sort of down point because as I say we were on that high for, the, for that yeah. campaign. We were up to like number 14 in the world. Or something, it was something, it was just a crazy high that we were on, and uh, that's when things started to just go a wee bit different. Eh? <laughs> when yeah. he, when is that your most testing time as a Scotland fan, Byron? The, I would say so, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of folk would say the Betty games, but as I say, there was a few hidden gems in his era that at least yeah. kind of made it worthwhile for to an extent, you know. I mean, I know there was some awful away trips, or you know, in the Faroes and Moldova and what have you, but the. The home games, I think, somehow made up for it. You know, there was moments in there that, were, that still get played back to this day. Whereas, I feel like there's there was less of those moments under that in that kind of period with Burnley and Levine. And I think that that kind of makes it stand out. And then, of course, there was the, the Prague incident with the, the formation, um, and it it just it did feel pretty low. I think. I mean, it, I don't know if this is right. I know I'm sure I read some of it. Levine actually had like the worst competitive record, even somehow than Betty. And um, I just don't think that we were, because in a way we had a better team, we had better support, we had better, um, we had things that mean we should have been better, but for whatever reason it, it just didn't quite work out. And it, it might have been simply just down to the manager, you know. But um, see, things you pick up a wee bit under track and then we're, we're getting there again, I think. And obviously we've finally qualified. So um, which is all, another obvious high, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I agree with you um, that whilst the better folks here was testing, he was he inherited an Asian squad that had to rebuild from scratch and there was a lot of great Scottish players coming through, apart from the uh, Unearth gem and like Craig Gordon and uh, James McFadden and Dan Fletcher. But George Burley took over a team that nearly qualified at a group with France, Italy and Ukraine and somehow squandered it, including the boot, the Bousgate scenario, and Craig Levine just took Scotland to new depths of despair. I mean, these competitive records, as you mentioned, we only beat Lith- um, Lithuania and Liechtenstein twice. It's not exactly anything to write home okay. about. No, I totally agree. And I think 
I think that's what makes that just a wee bit more testing. And even the even the uh, the games that we took part in, there was there, you know most managers will have like one moment or their sort of you know their defining sort of thing, but it, it just never really happened. You know, it was almost there with the, the Czech Republic game with Craig Levine and I think Dan Fletcher. It was like his first game back in a number of months and. Uh, from his illness, and he he would seem to have scored the winner, and then obviously they they go up the other end and get a penalty that shouldn't have been, and what have you. So that was probably hard lines in that respect. But again, it's like you were saying earlier, it was another campaign that was there was other things wrong with the campaign. It, it didn't all come down to that one game. So um, it was our, our usual kind of story of not. Um, you know, making every game count, I suppose. Eh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's easy to pinpoint the instance that went against us, but there's, there's also instances that went in our favour. Like Charlie Adams should have been sent off, um, and we should have uh, checked should have had a penalty in that game. But people do forget to bring that up. Um, you know, right, in, yeah. in in your time, I mean, you mentioned that you've obviously been away um, supporting Scotland. What's been your favourite kind of away trips in terms of obviously results, but experience mm. in terms of countries that you've been to? Well, the, the big one, of course, always, I mean, it'll be a standout for everyone, just as the, the France away game. That, that just is a, a massive standout. It's um, mostly because of the result, but not only that. I think mm-hmm. it was just, it was so bizarre to see so many Scotland fans in Paris. And I just don't think, unless you were there, that you can fully describe what it was like. You know, although folk have seen the videos and the pictures and what have you, if you weren't, if you weren't there, you know, you'd be... Um, we were there for the five days or so that week, and it wouldn't matter if you were in a shopping mall or you know any part of the underground or or any. There was there was a Scotland fan. There was other Scotland fans walking about in kilts, and it was just it was just a crazy volume of people. And then of course the stadium itself kind of showed that when it was you know it, it was you know it must have been up to twenty thousand or so away without uh, fifty percent of the crowd at least because I know Dominic yeah. said that his heart sank. Uh, and and we've just never really. Um, I think that was a really unique um, experience. That one that was like a bit like an old school Tartan Army trip. That with it in terms of the numbers, um, but you know there is the weird and wonderful places as well. We were in obviously Russia and Kazakhstan in the last campaign just there. Um, you know, and, and sometimes you know I think for the Kazakhstan one, the way it worked out, we were actually probably in the air flying more than we were actually in Kazakhstan. So we didn't get to see too much. But, um, but uh, uh, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't have to be the ones with the 20,000 Scotland fans that are the best trips. You know, sometimes the ones, you know, 500 of you there for a friendly. And, you know, I go with my brother and my dad, so it's good catch-up time with them and talk about football and have a few beers and just, um, you know, the, you know, sometimes those trips are highlights as well, you know. Um so I, I'd certainly say it's never been an away experience where I've thought like, oh, I'm never doing it again or that, even after the results, because uh, as I say, I go with my brother and my dad and you know, sometimes you might be start chatting to people when you're on these trips and what have you. And it's just that that will always outbalance the results for me. You know, it's always um, uh, that that's the kind of thing. I think that's what part of being a Scotland fan, you know, you wouldn't you know, we, we all know we didn't go just to see, you know, world-class football or anything like that. We get, there's more to it than that, you know. So, um, yeah, that's, that's probably a wee bit of a take on it, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I think we've got to adopt the mentality of um, if we're going based on the result alone, then it would just ruin the whole weekend. So you might as well 
um, appreciate what's there. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you've been to places like Kazakhstan, you've been to Russia, France, etc. So how did it feel when it came to Serbia and you resorted, like everyone else in the country, pretty much, to sitting in the house? I know, it was, it was pretty weird, eh? all the flags up in the windy and the banners up and what have you but uh, that was a bit as real as it got <laughs> but it was I, th- I think well, once the game kicked off it was you know you were just p- purely focused on the game that's how it goes you know you it's just 100 percent football chat you're just focused on the game but um and of course it was elation when they did finally do it and the and the, the penalty i mean that will just be an iconic Scottish history moment that you know Marshall's reaction to saving the penalty will be there with Baxter's keep you uppy and you know Neri's goal against Brazil that'll be Marshall's reaction to the save that that is going to be plastered on all the the footage from now on but it's um and and I suppose the fact that nobody got to go and it was so unique we were in the middle of the pandemic and I think it kind of made it in a way. You know, I wouldn't want to make it a regular thing, <laughs> but oh. um, I would. Uh, it definitely made it. It's gave it its own story, I suppose. Um, so uh, you know, try to put a positive spin on it for that point of view. But there's always this. You know, the the pure elation of qualifying was obviously out with everything. But there's just this wee niggle in your head that was always like, Kim, but it would have been good to be there." <laughs> you know, it would have because I think every every Scotland fan had in their head that they were going to see the team do it when they did do it and it and it was need to be but it was um but of course we you know we would take it hundred <laughs> percent we would take it. Yeah I mean Laura Brannan when I interviewed her for the um the Tana magazine her right for um she made a great point that um you know almost unified the country in a way um, because we were all in that position. So I mean um, whilst yeah we would rather some of us are being in Belgrade or been, even yeah. being at the pub and none of that was happening it was still kind of unique in some way and we all had were sharing the same feeling um and as well at, at the time where everything was about the pandemic and everything the next day on every news channel in scotland it was just that that moment that took over as the main headline and it was just good Aye. to see on the news some positivity yeah. and something other yeah. than covid19 for a change that's right. And it was just even in the mainstream media, you know, the down, you know, the English media or Sky Sports News and everything, we were we were the top headlines up for a change. And it was um it was nice to see, you know, as you and as you say, we were we weren't talking about pandemics, we were talking about football and we we're talking about the Scotland team and it was um and it and as I say, it did it did make it that it did make it unique, you know, it made it that its own story and it's, it's and it's a shame that as I say, we're not gonna have I think at that point we thought, well, the key is to get through this and we'll maybe all get to go to the Euros and of course no no everybody's gonna get as such, but um I suppose at least we're in a position where some fans will be in the ground, will be a little bit more normal and if not at least we can meet up with mates or um or whatever to actually watch the Euros together. So um it's it's definitely the you know, you've got to put a positive spin on on the whole thing, you know, to, to finally have, have done it. You know, you can't sort of look back and think, you know, oh, it's a shame the fans weren't there. You know, you've got to just think it was, you know, it gave the whole country a lift. As you see, that was the bottom line. It gave the whole country a lift, eh? So um, just uh, special moments, eh? Exactly. And, um, you know, obviously not everyone can get to go to, um, to the finals um, because of the, the restrictions, but at least we're getting 25%, um, which is better than the zero that we were expecting in January. There was a um, big... Um, 
fear that the whole tournament was going to be played in front of no fans, but fortunately, twelve and a half thousand will get to be. A, um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not able to get tickets because of the point system, but I don't argue with that. But I'm looking forward to watching that with my family and some friends, etc. Are you one of the lucky ones that I should be looking to take tickets from? <laughs> um, yeah, I would try it, obviously. <laughs> we were uh, yeah, we were fortunate enough to to go to all the games oh, uh, yeah, for the Euros. Sort. So. Um, so yeah, we're uh, obviously we're really looking forward to that. But like you say, even for the guys who can go, I know I've got you know whenever I'm speaking to folk at my work or mates or whatever, it's like at least they can meet up together. And it was looking like you know, as you say, only a few months ago where we weren't even maybe going to be able to do that. So it's um, it's you know, I suppose there is still going to be, and there is. I think that they're, they're doing the fan zone in Glasgow and things like that. So um, it will be uh, as I say, I think it would have been a total disaster of a tournament if there was just no fans going and almost pointless because it, you know that is the whole point of a, a major finals but the fact that there some fans to go I think um, it's, uh, it's it's going to make a difference and even you know the games we've been watching recently more so down south in England because they've got more fans in the grounds at the moment but what a difference it's making even just seeing you know a, a few thousand in the, in the ground and they're, they're making a hell of a noise you know what I mean it's it's um, it's almost like it's it's going to be the same kind of atmosphere because folk will just be you know that buzzing to get back to a game of football basically. Yeah, that that FA Cup final between Chelsea and Leicester was brilliant just for the fans. Um, and it was twenty thousand or ninety thousand seater stadium, but you'd have thought there was ninety thousand there because of the noise that they were making. It was just absolutely tremendous. Um, but unfortunately, right or wrong, I've got my opinions, but I won't say. Um, but. The Scottish Cup final getting played again, again in front of an empty Hamden was an absolute. Um, it was it was sad. Yeah. It was really sad to see. It was, and the, the the fact the way that came about as well, where there was a glimmer of hope, and then it was sort of shot down by saying, "Oh, it's only five hundred here can go," and then just completely wiped out a day later, saying, "No, nah, actually, none of you can go." It just was all a bit bizarre. Um, you know, if it was to do with the whole, um, you know, Hamden getting built. Uh, set up for the Euros or, or the Glasgow um, restrictions, then they could have easily moved the game and played it somewhere else with that kind of number of supporters. You know, there was options, but I just don't think we were we were very interested eh, in it. Um, and as I say, it's, when you, you do get a bit jealous when you're seeing the scenes down south, it's, uh, you know, stadiums full of football supporters, and it's just not quite here yet, but um, I'm sure we're not far away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully um, when, the, when these Euros happen, then um, it can give people the chance to say, well, football can be run safely and more people are getting the vaccine. So hopefully come next season, we'll be back to full crowds again and hopefully by right. come the World Cup qualifiers in September, because I'm aiming to take my boy to his first Scotland game. Um, hopefully we'll be allowed more at Hamden for that game against Moldova, which will probably be special if it does. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the thought of being at a, a big sellout crowd anywhere, let alone a Scotland game, would just be fantastic. Hey, so it's um, I we've, we've just got to hope for that that we're heading. It feels like we are heading in the right direction this time. So hopefully that will be the case, um, and we'll we'll see how it goes. But because um, I mean, it's, it is a bit. I mean, it's, I think it there was a point at the start of the pandemic where we would take anything, and we just were happy to see football played in empty football stadiums on the telly because we just would take anything. But you know, I think it has, you know, um, the almost the novelty factor that has definitely worn off, and it's it's a different game without the fans. You know, it really is, and and again, without trying to compare down south all the time, you know, rather than talk about Scottish football, but 
you know, there's, there's certain teams in that top division, like I quite believe that, um, you know, the team that John Fleck and that are playing for Sheffield United would have done far better with a support behind them than uh, than what they did in the in the league. And perhaps similarly with, with some of the Scottish teams, I think Celtic wouldn't have maybe been quite as bad if they had a 60,000 at Celtic Park every week. You know, there was, a, I think, a few teams thought they could take points off them this year. And um, so I think it's a, it's a, it makes a huge difference, you know, having the fans in the ground. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but at least we can just look on the positive. We're going, we're going to yours the first time. There's some fans going. Um, squad was picked last week. Um, we're recording this the 27th of May. Um, they flew out today um, as we speak um, for their uh, training camp in Spain. Um, well, apart from Scott, Tommy and uh, Billy Gilmore, who have obviously been playing in Europe, um, European finals. What did you think of the squad that was picked out? Because obviously it came out in that in my wonderful video by the SFA. I've got to give yeah. him full credit for that. That was genius. Yeah, it was really cool. It was. It was really cool. I, I loved it. I liked, uh, I liked the Jim Leishman. <laughs> I just liked the whole thing. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um, really clever. I liked the, the um, illustrations and everything. Really, you know, a lot of hard work must have went into that. Just incredible. Eh? So I thought it was really cool. It felt like something special. Eh? So it was... Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I loved it. And I think that, I think the squad, to be honest, I don't think... I think you can niggle at a couple of things and say about like Ryan Gold not being there and stuff like that. But I think overall that would just about be everybody's squad just about. And, you know, I don't think there'd be too many that would say I wouldn't take him and I would take him. I think it was pretty much there. There's this sort of three youngsters that haven't been capped that got brought in. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, you know, you've got, you can't, you, you've still got to keep looking ahead, you know, even after qualifying because that, we've made those mistakes in the past you talked about earlier but Craig Brown kind of ran the team into the ground a wee bit and Bertie had to pick up the pieces for that and um, I think we've done that in the past we've, we've stuck by the same players for, for a bit too long so we'll have to get these guys involved as soon as possible like uh, Gilmore and Turnbull so why not take them to our Euros and you know the experience they'll gain for that um, so I think I think overall it was Probably about spot on. I mean, obviously the other big one is maybe Griffiths was a talking point, but the fact he's just not been playing as regularly this year, I think it's hard to argue that he's that he's not there. You know, he's you know, could you rely on him for for the for the tournament? It's um, so I think I think we're just about bang on with it. To be honest, yeah, there's no really any complaints for me. Yeah, I, I think when you consider that Ryan Jack um, unfortunately um, missed the rest of his injury, and then um, Kenny McLean. Um, get that awful injury the last day of the season in a meaningless game. Um, I thought that was really harsh. I mean, I think they two would have been in um, had it not been for Finch. I don't think there's any question about that. Whether Gilmore yeah. and Turnbull would have made it um, because of that, I don't know. But certainly it gives them the opportunity. And with a 26-man squad, it is probably right. But, um, I mean, the Griffiths one, unfortunately, um, for, from his point of view, he's just not done enough. It's as simple as that. And you can't keep... Um, banking on the past and the Scotland record isn't fantastic I mean you take the two free kicks against England out of the equation there's not a lot he's really contributed in a Scotland shirt yeah it's, it's a fair comment I think as I say you've got to you've, you've just got to have a, a reliable squad for something for something like this and I just don't know if he's quite there which is a shame because he's he's a talented player but for whatever reason it just sometimes doesn't quite um, you know he's just not quite consistent what we say and it's um and, and like you say, I mean Ryan Jack, like you mentioned, I think he would probably be in the starting lineup, arguably, if he was yeah, if he was in the squad. Um, so you know that's a massive loss. And then 
Kenny McLean, a similar type of player, probably would have been almost the backup to, <laughs> to Ryan Jack, who's also out. So it's it's a I think that is probably the one slight worry in the team that there's we've got a lot of good midfielders, but not quite in the same kind of uh, way that like a Ryan Jack would play. There's a, we've got a, a lot of our midfielder quite attack minded, quite you know. Um, looking to move the ball forward all the time, but you do need these guys to be, you know, tidying up at the same time, and that, that is probably the one area that we're maybe a wee bit um, light on in the midfield. But uh, as strong as it is, but um, yeah, that is that, that's one wee area. Yeah, yeah, I, think, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, Ryan Jack, there's nobody in the team that does what he does. Um, you know, he breaks he breaks things up and gives the ball to like so a Cal McGregor or a. Um, John McGinn or Scott McTominay etc but um, so hopefully one of these guys will end up doing that that, that role in the summer um, but with regards to the, the the group itself you know two games at Hamden um, against Croatia and Czech Republic um, they they for me without doubt are the key to qualification it'd be lovely if we get bonus points against England down at Wembley but let's be honest um, the, the two games at Hamden are going to be so key you know what do you think of our chances of progression well, I think now that we're there, um, it's it's quite exciting because it's you know tournament it's tournament football. You know, it's one-off games. It's like you know it's different from a qualifying campaign in terms. You know, there's uh, you know the, this is proper like they'll be played like cup finals. These games, you know, it's like anything can really happen, and it's you know to have two games at hand, and albeit it's a you know by no means a big crowd or anything like that, but we're still essentially on our home turf um, and the the one away game if you will is down at Wembley against your big rivals England it's like you know if you can't get more excited for it than that then there's you know there's something wrong so I think that has to be um, I, I, I honestly think that we can think that we can start taking some points with the group you know it's I mean the Czech public vote I know we played the sort of B team in the away game recently but the um, we beat them and we, we you know, won the, the Hamden game as well. It's a team that I think we shouldn't be too fearful of. And then uh, Croatia are World Cup runners-up last time. But again, we're a bit of a bogey team to Croatia. We seem to pick up results against them when we play them. Um, and you just never know. And I think even the way the fixtures have landed, you know, you probably see Czech Republic is maybe the most winnable out of the, the, the three games to have that up first is probably maybe where you want to be um, have the England game in between and just see what happens, that'll take care of itself in terms of, you know, that's going to be played like a derby isn't it, you know, that's just going to be um, you know, you're, you're just hoping for a bit of luck on the day with the England one and then obviously if you've got a Croatia up last where you, you'll by that point you'll know what you need if you need a point to, to get or whatever to get to the next round you'll know so it's, it's strange because I think, you know, if it was a qualifying campaign, you wouldn't be quite as hopeful. But the fact it's a tournament, then, you know, these are one-off games. I, I think I can see us taking some points. You know, you just never know. You just never know. I can't decide if I think we're going to be one of the best four um, third-place sides or if we're going to be one of the worst two like we were in Italian 90. You know, miss out in, um, by the yeah. odd goal or the odd point or something. You just know. never know. It would be but, the um, way to do it like that, certainly. But I think... I think, uh, especially the, you know, the England game's obviously going to be very, very difficult because, I mean, they're a, they've got, you know, world-class players in their team, there's no yeah. doubt about it, but um, you just you just always have this wee, 
really, I mean, even when we, you know, the first friendly we played down there, well, the most recent, I should say, with the uh, with Gone Track, and, you know, it's, the only one I can think of is the 3-0, but apart from that, we, you know, there's not many recent memory England games where we've not given them a game, you know, we've always been, um, we've either scored or we've given them a, a shout, eh? so it's, um, you'd always just that wee bit hopeful with, with a game like that, and if that's your top seeds, you know, you know, I'd rather take that than say, you know, a, uh, uh, Belgium or something like that. You know, I'd, uh, I think you've got a wee chance. You know, <laughs> even that England, that three you know, one that you mentioned that we played in the pink strip down at Wembley, we had chances in that game. I mean, I remember uh, Boris yeah. in particular, the good yeah. one. Um, Griffiths had options. Yeah, I think Han, Hanley had a header, maybe came mm-hmm. off the bar, or it was close anyway. But mm-hmm. um, uh, you're right. It's Absolutely, it's um, you, you're just always hopeful you'll get a result down there, and it would be, you know, I think, um, I think overall, I think Scotland fans would just be happy if we're competitive. I think that is the thing, you know, we don't yeah. want to sort of just, just they sort of said in their press conferences, the sound bites are we don't want to be making up the numbers kind of thing, but um, it's true, you don't you want to be competitive, you want to score goals, you want to feel like you've got a chance, you don't want to just with a whimper or anything like that so um, I think most fans even if they don't get into the next round they'll be happy if they've you know given it a right good go and you know I think they, I think they would appreciate that you know so but we'll see and then of course you can start getting carried away and think if we do somehow get into the next round then god who knows after that you know it's can because that really is a um, a one-off game when you're uh, at that stage, we'll just take them out of penalties eh, and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we'll find a way of looking at it. Um, I mean, if it was good enough for Portugal, it could be good enough for us. Um, but um, in terms, and however far we go, um, whether it's the whether it's the final, it's the next round, or whether we just go out, um, do you have plans for a review video? Oh, I think I'd have to, wouldn't I? Um, yeah, definitely. Demand um, is um, there for you. <laughs> I think I think I'd have to. So, and hopefully it'll be. Lots of good memories rather than bad ones, but um, yeah, well, hopefully, I'll play highlights we can put together. And yeah, with 100%, we'd have to, uh, we'd have to do something. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Eh? <laughs> yeah, keep that in the set that in the pipeline just now. Um, so I'll just um, round off with a few um, quick five questions. Um, so, first of all, um, what, what's your favorite songs um, at Hamden, whether it's been sung by the crowd or played over um, the tannoy? Oh, um, oh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I sometimes think you kind of beat the some of the old school. Just you know, we'll be coming and the sort of old school chants. I do like a get into them chant. I do think that is a. I do like that when the big drum gets going. It's get into them. I, I like that when that when Hamden gets going. But um, I, 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 I sometimes think you've got to stick to your roots. Say a bit of the proclaimers and run rig over the tunnel at Hamden can be beat sometimes. Eh, you know. I think bits and pieces is a bit of a genius goal uh, anthem. I think we've definitely wanted something with that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah um, tough question, but I'll say pro- probably just the proper old school Tatan Army songs will do me. Yeah. How much are you looking forward to singing "Yes, Sir"? I can begin at Hamden. <laughs> I'll be interested. Eh? I think there'll be a few. There'll be. Uh, they'll, uh, they'll know all the words. Eh? So I think. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be the fact it's a UEFA tournament. It'll probably be very, um, 
you know, the tannoy will probably not really be in our hands, but it would be good if it was. We could, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that would definitely get played. <laughs> well, interestingly, I'm speaking to Graham Easton next week, who does the PA at Hamden. Um, so I'm, I'll be asking those kind of questions. You know how um, you know, told you yeah. have to be, and if you can throw one yeah. or two in, but we're going to um, get a bit of run rig at some point or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll probably try. You'll maybe be allowed one or two. Just obviously not. Um, you know, can't put his full playlist on full T playlist. I think that'll wait till September. Um, obviously, um, doing a lot of travelling. And um, what's your favourite away ground um, that you've been to as a Scotland fan? Uh, away ground. Um, it's been a few. I thought f- for a proper football ground, I loved when we went to Dortmund. I think that is a pretty fantastic stadium in terms of the noise. Um, I think that that game, and of course we. Good memories with the, the Anya goal in that game, but didn't quite get the result, of course. But um, that was a proper old school uh, sort of noise getting created in that in that stadium. I like that. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, there's a few sort of big obvious standouts. I think the one in, in Poland, the National Stadium in Poland's really good. Um, there's a, there's a few top grounds. Um, there's uh, sometimes like the weird and wonderful grounds as well, though when. Uh, when we went to Skoda and played Albania, and you know, there's there's not many two kind of concrete looking grounds like that. They had the sort of the kind of gaps in between the um, the stands where the where the away fans were and stuff. That um, so I sometimes like seeing these kind of like unusual grounds as well. <laughs> but um, in terms of football stadium, I think I think the Dortmund one was was up there for me. Like yeah, that was definitely up there. Yeah, it's a good. That's a that's a great shot. I can't remember the modern day term for it, but I think we'll, it will always be the best balance as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, yeah. What's been your favourite food at the football? Well, food at the football, um, definitely. I can't be seeing the pies at Hamden. I'm afraid. Yeah, it's probably yeah. it's just uh, it's no for me. But um, well, although they have got better recently, they've had a few recently. Better than what they were. Food at the football. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one, eh? Um, pro- but proper old, if you get a proper old school pie in a bottle, eh? It's, you can't go too wrong with that, I suppose. But um, yeah, I've never really had anything unusual when we've been abroad or that. Eh? It's usually just whatever's there. <laughs> it's just, I'll, I'll take it. Eh? Hot talk or something. <laughs> ah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite beer? Favourite beer? Does it um, be at the football, just in general, your favourite beer? Oh, eh, well, I do... Um, Obviously, I went to Prague. I liked a lot of the beer over there, um, and I, I don't. I, I like a lot of the kind of um, that, that kind of even like in, in Germany, the good German beers is, is, that were there as well, um, something like that. But when it's a home game, yeah, I, I happily have a can of tenants, you know. <laughs> Can't um, beat that. I know, I know. But um, no, I, I do. I like sort of the beers over in Germany and Prague. I like I like those beers. I they were good. Good stuff. And your favourite Scotland shirt of all time? Uh, oh, favourite Scotland shirt. Um, I think the '78 top is definitely um, up there. I think I think that has to be the one. Actually, yeah, I think it's just iconic. The um, sort of humble diamonds down the side and everything. It's just uh, that has to be the one. I think hundred percent. That's a good one. And finally, you knew this was coming. Um, name your best Scotland eleven from your lifetime, from when you first started going to games to now, obviously. From a lifetime, so right. I'd I'd wrote down a couple of wee notes in terms of maybe the current. You know, isn't it too sure if it'd be lifetime? But I could name. I could probably name you one. So if we go like a four four two, 
Um, so I think goalkeeper, I think probably just not necessarily on ability, but favourite would maybe be Craig Gordon. Um, I think uh, we'll put Robertson left back and if, uh, we'll stick in. Do we stick Tierney in at right back? I think we probably do, just to get him in there. <laughs> um, Centre-back, Colin Hendry, um, along with... Uh, it's a tough one, centre-back, along with Colin Hendry. Uh, probably Christian Daly, who stick him in there. Um, you could even then, swap him and Tierney, to be fair, because Tierney can uh, play centre-half now. Aye, that's true. And then, um, if we go for a four in the middle... Uh, I think we've got to say uh, Dan Fletcher, uh, Scott Brown. Um, obviously, these are a lot more recent players. Maybe um, mm-hmm. my uh, for my lifetime, but uh, beyond that, um, if we put, he probably maybe class McFadden as a midfielder rather than a striker to an extent. So we'll put him in there, and then. Um, I think now it's escaped me. I had notes for thinking it would be an 11 for this campaign, eh? but <laughs> for an all time. But up front, I think we're talking um, probably Miller and maybe McCoist for picking two. Um, I think, with, to be honest, you could argue you could maybe stick McGinn in midfield because he's just, I know he's a current player, but he's becoming that kind of almost like a talisman, isn't he? You know, he just seems to, you know, He's becoming a top goal scorer for us almost. It's getting crazy. So um we'll probably stick him as the fourth midfielder. Yeah, that's that's a pretty decent team to be fair, and I don't think it would look out of place. So um well the last thanks very much for uh, coming on, Byron. It's been, been a pleasure and all I can say is look forward to your video and enjoy the tournament because you're a lucky sod to get any tickets. <laughs> Cheers, thanks for having me, John. Cheers, mate. Let's take care. But I'll give you one more chance.